My goodness, that is awesome. <laughs> we, we can hear that. We can hear that, Alabama. Can everyone here hear me? I'm uh, here live with you guys. Man, I think we have found a new host. <laughs> <laughs> Speak slow and clearly in Southern. Slow and clearly in Southern. I don't, well, you can you can speak slow and Southern. I don't know if the clearly yeah. part is 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 part of the equation. That's where the area gets gray with it when you start talking about the the clarity of it. Yeah, I know. Well, and see, there, and that's the the great thing about the South, though, is because, like, it's it's pretty distinct. Like, you got Carolina, yeah, you know, and then you got you got you know Alabama and, and Mississippi are both a little different. Georgia is all by itself. Uh, Louisiana's got its own thing going on. Yeah, and it's kind of a Cajun thing. I agree. Tennessee's is different. Texas is interesting too, because like Texas is isn't really as southern, but the I is like a real like everybody goes ah time like it's pretty pretty moderate, you know. The number five five, we got five minutes worth of time. Yeah, and uh, I I would like to have an iced tea, <laughs> an ice in my tea. Yeah. Ice, ice in my tea. I, my dad's from Louisiana. We, I took my mom and my dad over on a tour in Germany. It was an acoustic tour I was doing this uh, 12, 13 years ago over there. Mm. And my wife was pregnant with our first one. So I guess that was about 13 years ago. Wow. And um, took my mom and dad, who had both never been out of the country. And my dad is as Southern as, southern as it gets. It's, mm-hmm. and, and we get over there and... and he forgets that they don't, you know, he, some of them speak English. A lot of them do, you know, they speak mm. a lot more English than we do their language. But he mm. kept getting aggravated because he kept forgetting and ordering iced tea. <laughs> so you got this real Southern redneck draw sitting down in, you know, in, in, a, in a restaurant where they may or may not know English. And uh, he go, you know, yes, ma'am, I like an iced tea. <laughs> What, yeah. sir? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Did you say you like a nasty, sir? A, a I nasty. I like a nasty. <laughs> I like a nasty. Does he do the sweet or unsweet though? When he says iced tea, does it just mean unsweet or sweet? Oh, he automatically assumes that you're not going to put sugar in it, and that uh, is the correct answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I agree. he he doesn't order unsweet tea. He just orders an iced tea. Yeah, and assumes it's going to be sweet. Assumes it's going to be unsweet. Unsweet. Uh, unsweet. Yeah, that, that's 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 the new thing. That's like the that's the healthy Southerner in it that, that we've gotten away with this, gotten out of the sweet tea thing, and everyone's drinking unsweet tea. Brittany's parents do the same thing. I'll tell you, I've been a my whole life. I've been a life. There we go. There is there's the there we go. But my, my whole life, um, I've been an unsweet tea drinker. You know, I think really? I've always always done it. You know, you're a unicorn. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But that, that's, that's what's always in the Yeti is unsweet tea. People wonder what I have. It's that or coffee. Yeah. It's a bit of an acquired taste. I know what you mean, but, but I've gotten, I get used to it. Brittany does half and half. I can, that's, that's a lot more powerful. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. 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 I like to do the half and half way, Matt. I do half and half with my coffee too, though. Cause I, uh, if I drink too much coffee, like I'm on my second cup and I gotta, I gotta stop after this. So, you know, I get, I get the jitters and I, I'm one of those, I know I'm old now because I don't, I can't, um, I can't have caffeine after a certain time. <laughs> yeah, there I, he is. I can't <laughs> sleep, man. I, I can't, you know, if I have caffeine after like three or four in the afternoon, like I'm like, ah. Brittany and I, so we, ha- we always have a, like both of us will have a, like a three o'clock in the afternoon cup of coffee just to kind of get, get through the doldrums. And when, when her dad comes in, he'll, he'll smell the coffee and he'll go, golly, I couldn't do that. I couldn't drink a coffee right now. I would never sleep. It, you know, and I mean, like three in the afternoon, like you got like, how much, does, how long does it last? Like, I'm thinking like, I got like two hours with this cup of coffee and it, it keeps him up all night. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, you can hear us. We can hear you. We can see you. You can see us. Everybody looks beautiful, bright eyed, bushy tailed. Man, everybody's wondering who the hell we have on. So let me let me make the introduction here. Oh, so we're starting the show. I guess so. We've already okay. been rolling. I, I, <laughs> I told I told Adam we're going to do a soft roll, and everybody's going, "Who's Adam?" Right now. Yeah. 
Who's this Adam guy? Who's this Adam guy? It's it's mystery. They're, all of a sudden, they've been talking about southern language, southern dialects, and 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 coffee and caffeine jitters. And we are rolling again. Let's go, season three, episode ten. Cody Jinks, you are a couple in, and I am your host along with Josh Thompson, coming out of Boyd, Texas. Good morning. Good. It is no, it's afternoon. It's just now afternoon, Josh. Mm-hmm. We just got afternoon, but it's been a morning already. Been uh, I helped the sunrise today, so we're going. We're going. It's been a good day. Oh, you've already had your your day's already. I pushed it up. Done. I was helping push that sun up. Look mm-hmm. at you go. Look you at like, you go. You're like Atlas holding mm-hmm. the world up, man. I mean, you could call me that. Coming out of Louisiana today, we never know where he's going to be. He can do this from anywhere. But we got Bobby Keith Kilgore. Hi, Bobby Keith. Hey, what's going on? Y'all doing all right? Doing good. Doing good, man. Doing good. We got lots to talk about today, man. We got lots to talk about. Uh, turning the knobs out of Nashville, Tennessee, or right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, is our front of house engineer and our podcast engineer here on a couple in. You can't hear him or see him, but he is there. His name is Seth Nose Noseworthy. Good morning to you. But today, our special guest, are you at home? Yes, I am at home. You are at home right now. You're at mm-hmm. home in Alabama. Correct. Northport, Alabama, which is just north of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, just over the bridge. We're talking to the great Adam Hood today. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yes. Man, yes, we, need, yes. we needed a... Thank you all so much for having me. This is really pleasant. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for doing it on short notice. Um, I've been on yours. I've been on your your uh, your show, your podcast mm-hmm. uh, thing. Yesterday, I said, you know, we hadn't done one in a couple of weeks. We've been on the road. We've been mm-hmm. working. And I said, you know what, man? I'm going to be, we're off this month. So I said, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a couple more weeks before we can get one down. So we need to, we need to get a podcast taken care of because we've been very good and diligent about getting these done and, and having a lot of fun with it but thank you for doing it short notice um what do you got going on man how long are you off i actually am just kind of starting to ramp up um you know january is you know ironically january is always busy um you know there's well we didn't do steamboat this year but usually there's steamboat then there's that's the first of the month then there's 30a that's in the middle and then Mazeros at the end and then february was February is always the, the doldrum that kind of gets everybody afraid. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Oh my gosh, we don't have any work. What are we going to do? And so you start, you know, really, uh, just committing yourself to your journaling and positive thoughts and all that stuff. And then you, then you get rolling. So we're about to get pretty busy and then just kind of trying to start putting music out, you know, but I listen, where am I this weekend? Oh, I'm over in Dahlonega, Georgia, Friday and then LaGrange, Georgia, Saturday. So kind of my neck of the woods. I mean, sort of, you know, southeastern. We kind of went through the same thing. We were we were supposed to be a whole lot busier in January and February, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up not being just because of stuff going on in the world. And was it COVID restrictions or just what? I mean, yeah, it was. We were supposed to be out on the west coast hmm. a lot January and, and February, like January into February. We we're supposed to be making a run out there originally with with Whiskey Myers and. Ironically enough, here we are in March and there's a, you know, a war in Ukraine. I know. And uh, everybody seems have forgotten about COVID. I don't know. Is, is, that, is that good or bad? I mean, I don't think it, there's no good. I mean, I don't know. That's that's a terrible thing to say. It, I don't remember that that old Dustin Hoffman movie called Wag the Dog. It's just talk. Oh, yeah. Our, yeah. That's what our media does, you know, which is anyway, we, we could get off on that, but. If that tour would have been, I think for March or April, I think we'd still be going through with it. But yeah. So yeah, it's been kind of funky for us too. So we've got this whole month off and then we'll come back, charge back up pretty good. I think in April and getting some more stuff on the books, kind of like you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. So Adam, since we're kind of talking, you know, how we, how we work, do you prefer to have tours where you're like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, go out for three or four weeks and then you know, take time off or do you like to couple shows, you know, every week, you know, what is your preferred way to, to work? I'm a great Thursday, Friday, Saturday guy. I mean, typically how things have gone, I've stayed pretty close to my regions. I don't venture out all that much. I try to save that time up for when I'm making a record. And so I also try to save my long-term touring stuff 
for when I'm, you know, when we're out to promote a record. And so, I mean, I, I kind of am always on the road, but never really on tour, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. So, yeah. And so, um, that's what makes, that's what's easiest for me and my family and stuff like that. I mean, anything, anything over about a week and a half is, is a little, little too much. I think we kind of, I don't want to say we start to distance ourselves, but you know, it's after a certain period of time, it just, Brittany and the girls get into a routine without me and, and kind of the same. And, and you sort of watch your, again, you know, it's not separation, but you kind of watch things like it's not as easy to talk. You know what I mean? Like we may talk three times a day when I'm on the road for five days, but you know, at day eight, we may only talk once a day. And, and so I, you know, and, and those are the kind of things that I just, for my sake, like, you know, it's funny because it, I don't really do this because I want to be a great dad. I, I want to be around my kids. I don't think they miss me, you know, but I miss them. You know, I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I want to come home. They're like, no, dad, you just stay out. We're good. We finally, but no, I miss you guys. No, it's fine. You stay out and you keep doing it. But no, I want to come home and hug your necks and, and love on you. No, we, you're good, dad. You keep doing it. So, so, you know, it's, it's funny you say that word disconnect. And that's actually the, the word that, you know, my wife uses it with me and, and it does happen. And there is a yeah. certain point of time. And for me, it's a, it's about day eight. And there's literally yeah. a certain day that like she just says, Hey, and it used to make me mad. I'm like, Oh, I can't, you know, but now it's the, okay, I need to reengage, you know, yeah. until we finish this, you know, finish this tour out. Um, or, you know, this run that we're on. And yeah. I just thought that was interesting to use that word because that's, ex- that's exactly what, what, what I've gone through and, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've dealt with, you know, and I've tried to explain to Rebecca because, you know, we don't do the long tours like we used to. We're all, mm. you know, we're, we're older now. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, you and I are in the same, same age demographic. We've been doing this for a long time. We used to go out weeks and weeks at a time and come home for two or three days and go out weeks and weeks at a time. Yeah. Come yeah. home two or three days and, you know, we just repeat, repeat, repeat. And we don't do that anymore. I like doing what you do, you know, do the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, then, you know, we'll fly home or drive home or, 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 you know, do that kind of stuff. But after whatever it was, I'd get to missing my family and stuff and Hmm. I'd get in trouble for not calling, you know, not engaging, you know, it's like, you, we've all had the phone call. How many days has it been since you've talked to your kids? Yeah. This kind of stuff, or your wife is saying, how many days has it been since you've talked to any of us? You know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and, and I had to tell her one time because I, I had to think, I was like, why, you know, because why am I not? The reason is because when you're on the road that hard, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, Every oh, man. single day is the same and you get to miss in your family and then you get, you know, you get the road blahs and you're just like, oh, here we go. You know, and it's like, what am I going to do? Call my wife and just bitch. You know, like, Hey kids. Hi daddy. How's your day? Good. You know, they don't really want to talk on the phone that long anyway, you know? And so I just told her one time, I was like, sometimes when I'm out there, it makes me sadder to call you. I know. I said, which is the the double edge of that sword is because it makes you sadder when I don't. And it makes me sadder when I do. So anyway, we're older now. We've, we've gotten past all that, but you know, it's, we've all gone through that stuff. Somebody ought to write that down. That's a good idea for a song. Sp- speaking of, have you heard that McMurtry song, that What's the Matter song? It's kind of the same thing. It's exactly that. It's like, what's the matter now? You know, and it's, 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 it's a little, it's kind of derogatory, but, it, but Jason and I, Edie and I were listening to it. We were going somewhere together. Yeah. We, you know, Jason said, Hey man, he said, McMurtry got a new record out. So we just started listening to it. And we, we, that song came up in the track listing. And I bet we listened to it four times and we just kind of laughed just because it's like, man. I mean, like he always does. I mean, he nailed it. Your old buddy Brent was telling me about that song last week. That's right. It was on the Southern. That's right. When, when uh, Brent and I were on the road. That's right. Because it was Josh. I said it was Jason. It was my other friend. It wasn't, it wasn't my friend Jason. It was my friend Brent. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. But I, I haven't listened to it yet. And I love McMurtry. And McMurtry is one of those guys that I'm hesitant to listen to every new album because I love everything before. And Am I weird in saying that? Like you, sometimes you just have like a couple of records from somebody and then like, I don't, I don't I'm afraid to listen to anything else because I love these two records so much, you know? So yeah. I haven't dove into the new one and Edie told me to dive into the new one as well. So I've, I've got to listen to it. But Brent was telling me about that song specifically. 
Well, and you kind of with guys like that, you sort of have, you, you know, that there's going to be this little period of time when you're going to sort of hate yourself. You know, it's like, oh, man, why am I doing this when guys like that do it so well? And so once I get past the depression of, of man, this guy is killing me, you know what I mean? Like, why do I even try? I, I get into the music, you know, and, and I learned something after that. Yeah. And he's I mean, some folks just got it. <laughs> You know, and, and I know it's I know it's talent and, and it's doing it a lot. And it's, you know, being the, the unique person that he is. But, geez, what a perspective. You know, speaking of Jason, Eady, do you remember the first time that we saw y'all, uh, you and Jason? Oh, I bet I don't. <laughs> uh, Cody, Cody, we were playing in Amarillo and y'all happened to be there that same night. Oh, yeah. We came to Hoots. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah it, that's right. Yeah. It was. um we were playing at Hoots, and I don't even know what year this was. 2015. You guys were in an RV. Yeah. Yep. Dirty Dolly. Yeah. yeah. We, that would have been, yeah, RV days, 2015. So seven, seven years ago. We were playing at Hoots, and you and Jason came out, and uh, you've, you've, you and Jason have been really good friends for a long time. I've been <clears> Jason since, I think, 05-ish. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Um, that's, that's pretty much the same period of time. Like he, he and I have been, you, you and I have been mutual friends through him. Yeah. That, for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 15, we met at Hoot, uh, Hoots and then we ended up and Eric Middleton of Midnight River Choir, like all of us. And I don't know whose hotel room it was. I don't know if it was ours. It was ours. Was yeah. it ours? Yeah. Cause I remember I was trying to go to sleep and y'all were just passing that around. We had a, a bottle of something, a whiskey, some, a whiskey bottle of something and a guitar. And, uh, you and me and Eric and Jason were, somebody yeah. had the guitar and the bottle, of, you know, the whole time, you know, going around. And, uh, man, I wish somebody had been taking pictures of that, but I know I'm thankful that they didn't, but I also wish that there was a way to document it. I know, I know. Man, that's really cool, man. Got about that. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but damn, know. it's been seven years. That, I feel like that that's, that, that happens on a more of a common occurrence than it used to for me. Like it's like, wow, that was 10 years ago. Wow. That was, you know, six years ago. And, and yeah. I mean, instead of it being like two years ago, again, old age. I, yeah. Well, how old are you in road years though? That's the thing. Yeah. Not real years, road years. Okay. So what's the difference? How does that work? How do I don't road know. Years work? I kind of feel like I tell people, people are like, how old are you? Like I'm 41, but I'm like, like a road year is like a year and a half. So like, I'm really like 58 or 60. Ah, okay. So, so what would you, every, every year of on the road would add five? Add a half a year. <laughs> okay. Add a half a year. <laughs> add five. Add five. Okay. Good Lord, we're 186. It's hard, man. <laughs> I'm years old. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, it's, that's, that's how it is. But yeah. I want to talk about the title track. To our last record and, uh, how that song came to be a little bit, because I think of all the songs on that record, how that song came to be is probably more interesting than how any of the other songs came to be. Cause we wrote that entire record. Uh, I wrote and co-wrote it that, that entire record during the, the pandemic after having not been around each other. And this was, you came over in June of 20, July of 20. Yeah. The pandy hadn't been around, but for two or three months or something like that. Yeah. It, it was still locked down though. Yeah. It was still yeah. locked down. Yeah. And, uh, Ben Ratliff got a hold of me or you got a hold. Somebody got a hold. One of y'all two got a hold of me and said, y'all were coming through. You were going out to do a thing. And, uh, I think Amarillo or Lubbock or West Texas, somewhere mm -hmm. out there. And after having not, you know, been around you for, I guess at that point, you know, like five years or really, you know, we hadn't become buddies or anything. You ended up just coming over to the house during lockdown with shotguns and, uh, my wife cooked chicken fried steak. And, uh, we sat down on the back porch and wrote the title track to the record. And it's called Mercy. And like I said, it was probably the most interesting, uh, of the songs. You know, what, what do you recall about that? And like, were you just like, I can't believe I'm going to this guy's house. Like I've never. You know, like we've never really hung out or anything like that. And, you know, it was like, what was your thought on all that? Cause at the same time, nobody knew what was happening within the pandemic. And so we're, we've been locked down. So I'm like, 
well, we're inviting these two people to our house that yeah. we don't know where they've been and uh, they don't know where we've been. So let's party. Well, and that was the thing that, I mean, that's probably the, the one thing that was that I, I tried to be as cautious as possible about just, you know, to sort of just to be respectful of the fact that you're coming into someone's home, you know, and, and I, I appreciate y'all being that. I mean, it was, it was great. It was, and it was a good time for us because I kind of needed that. I mean, I'm the same way, you know, because, you know, when things, when everything happened, I mean, like March 10th, I did one of my last shows and then like Memorial Day, I kind of started playing again. And so I was, you know, I was careful. And, and again, I, you know, I, I do this by myself for the most part. I don't have to have a band. I can just, you know, and, and in that situation, I can go from, from dressing room to stage, right back to dressing room. We didn't have to have merch and everybody was fine with it. So there wasn't, I could, I could stay on, stay playing and stay employed, but be careful too. And, and, you know, I, I, I felt like it, that we were okay and, and all that stuff. And so, uh, I appreciate that opportunity because like I said, I needed it. I needed to get out there and, and fire some ammunition into a, a hay bale and, and just to get creative. And, and it was really fun. That was really fun because of the fact that like, I liked, I enjoyed not having to write at 10 AM, you know, after the kids go to bed, let's sit down, you know, have a drink, see what happens. And, you know, I just, man, I, I enjoyed it. It was, I, I, there's a part of me that wishes every one of them was like that, but if, if they were, I wouldn't appreciate it when it is, you know? And, and like you said, I mean, that was, that was the first time we ever wrote. And yeah, I mean, for the times that we'd known each other, I mean, you know how this stuff goes. It doesn't always go very well the first time, you know, and usually my, you know, I can write great songs with, with, with people and it takes time. And so, I mean, for the first time out of the gate, uh, man, we knocked it out of the park, <laughs> I think, you know? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And it is, it is unique because, you know, I have, like you and Edie have been writing together for a long time. And I right. know that, that you and Brent work together and stuff like that. Two guys that I have the utmost respect for, you know, you, you and me and Brent wrote a song together and it, we cut it. Turns out, turned out really great. And we're going to release it one of these oh, days. That's exciting. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Cause I think, I mean, that's, that's another kind of special song, you know, and it was, it was cool to be a third party in, in that, because I think y'all had just kind of come out of Rowdy's funeral and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, it was really special. So, yeah, you know, and having said that, you know, we got a great one the first time that, you know, I, I wrote with, it was the first time I wrote with Cobb, second time I wrote with you. And as long as I've known Jason, we've only written one song together. Yeah. And neither one of us can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the problem was in, in hindsight, it was, God, and it was years ago. And I went over to his house. It was when he was still living in Fort Worth a long, long time ago, 13, 14, 15 years ago. Mm. I think what happened was we got so high that I think the song was good, but I couldn't tell you where the song's at or what it was even about. But I just remember us just both being just toasted. Yeah. Well, I love this song. If I could only remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, same it thing. It was great, guys. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> promise you guys it was great yeah it was great yeah i mean it, it see jason's kind of a different he's a different bird too because he really he and i for the for all we've written together we've probably sat down three times to in a, like we've actually gotten together in a room sat down and worked on a song usually it's like he you know jason will he'll he'll write it's it's kind of like just sprinting you know like he says okay i'm, I'm going in the studio I'm making a record next month and just the wheels start turning. And so you kind of got to catch him when he's like that. Other than that, he's, I mean, that, he, he stays on the road a lot and it's, you know how it is. It's hard. It's easy to absorb the creativity on the road, but it's hard to kind of put pen to paper and finish a thought. There's just not time and, and you're just not, you're not in the environment. And it's not, it's not a good environment, but, but it's just, it's, there's too many things going on. And too many different places at too many different times to really complete a thought. You, again, like I said, you can, that's where I come up with the ideas, but I come up with the ideas. I take them home or I take them to Nashville to finish. Yeah. Well, you know, a unique situation that, you know, he and Courtney and are, they're, they're both on the road. Yeah. They have, you know, grown or almost grown kids. You know, you and I still have kids at the house and, and, yeah. uh, if I had grown or almost grown kids and my wife was also an entertainer, I would probably be on the road more nonstop. You know, yeah. you know, it would probably be a whole lot more, but that's, you know, that's not the case. I have notes here 
And something that I really wanted to ask you about shifting gears. I shift yeah. gears a lot because I smoke a lot of weed before the show. And yeah, you know, man. We, we just, you know, I just squirrel. But I have stars here by, by notes. Man, um, we've, we've already talked about a bunch of cool people. People can go on your website and look at the songs that you've written that other people have cut and just be like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> I didn't know he wrote that and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that's, that's cool. But man, you toured with Leon Russell. Yeah. We got to play one show with Leon about a year and a half before he passed away. But you, oh, toured, wow. you toured with him. I was on the road with him for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Three years. Three years. And it was, it was the most interesting experiences of my life, man. I was the, the first time I ever played in Manhattan, I played with Leon. The first time I ever played Green Hall, I played with Leon. The first time I was ever like did a show in California, I played with Leon. And, but I was the opening act for Leon by myself. And, and, you know, I never shook hands with the man. We never met three years of touring. I bet I did 300 maybe more shows than that. We never met, but his, like he had a couple of guitar players that were all from Alabama. So I was tight with those guys and his agent, uh, Zach Baker was the guy that, that put me on those shows. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I mean, I remember I was on the West coast with him and this was when I was making, this was, I was making different grooves. So this was probably like Oh six and I was in Burbank for seven days and I ran out of money like ran out of money. And I said, okay, well, that's fine. I've got a show with Leon in LA and then one in San Francisco and then one in Bellingham, Washington, like two days later, but I had friends in Oregon. So I was like, I run out of money, but I can, if I can get to this gig, I know I've got a little bit. And I mean, I was $1 short crossing the Golden Gate Bridge. Like I, I stopped traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge because I, and the lady behind me had to give me a dollar to get through. And so I was like, okay, I'm in San Francisco now. I've got to, I've got to make enough money to get back. And, uh, I sold one $5 record and it was, it was $3 to get back across. And so I got out of San Francisco and <laughs> I mean, it was these, I mean, it was as lean as my, as my career has ever been. And I, those are the best memories I have. And I'm so thankful. I don't, I mean, we're not. Man, it's it's still lean, but it ain't that lean. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll do everything lean. to make sure. Yeah, that's yeah. literally a dollar short, dude. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Yeah, so yeah, that's a song, serious, man. That's a song. Seriously, go back to you played with a guy or open for a guy for three years. Yeah, and you literally never said a word to him, or he never said a word to you. I didn't push the issue either, though. But well, yeah, same. but I mean, yeah. still, like that's. I mean, and I'm. That's just like the wildest thing I've ever heard. I like, oh, yeah. that's just crazy to me. He was a very reclusive guy. And, and, yes. you know, that was kind of the thing that was, that was sort of, I mean, I got to be really close to his fan club, a lot of the folks in his fan club, because everybody that came to his shows that was in his fan club, they'd all like 71 was the year that they all talked about. I, I, I was a big fan of Leon in 71. And I, you know, I don't know what kind of where he was as far as like albums and stuff, I would imagine. I mean, that Leon Live album, that was the one that really kind of caught my attention. I was a big fan of that album. These people had had been fans of Leon since the 70s. And, and you know, it, it was even he was kind of reclusive to, to everyone. But uh, I made a lot of friends out of it, you know, and people that I still see, you know, yeah. on, on a fair amount. And so, you know, that was really the thing. It was it was kind of weird. But I mean, the guy really he never got off the bus. He he never really did interviews. Because of his disability, it was hard for him to do anything. I mean, it was, he had to ride a rascal oh, to yeah. the stage. You know, I mean, you saw it. I mean, yeah. If you yeah. saw him a year and a half before he died, then you, then you saw him, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, it was electrifying. I mean, it was, it was, it was one of those things where the guy never talked. And so the couple of times that he did talk, it was magic. It was like, you know, it was like listening to, a, you know, some sort of a presidential speech or something just when he would tell stories, but he would tell stories about, Graham Parsons and Bob Dylan and stuff. You know, I mean, this is, I mean, the guy really was, he was rock and roll royalty. And the thing that was so disheartening about it that those years, I heard more people say, who's Leon Russell than I did anything. And it pissed me off. And rightfully so, you know, and then, you know, after he, you know, well, before he died, you know, there was, there was that thing with Elton John and I'm just glad to see that happen. You know, that's a people. I'm glad you brought that up and that documentary and that, that record you're talking about is called the union. Ah, and, um, very cool. You bring up 71, Leon Russell, the title track, the title record came out in 70 and then 
Carney came out in 72. Okay, there you go. All right. So 71 would have been a great time to, to jump on all that. But the union with Elton John was amazing because, like you said, he didn't do a lot of interviews and things of, of that nature. The, the documentary they shot about it, you know, Elton did most of the talking and he was like showing how he ripped Leon Russell off all these years. And I'm a huge Elton John fan as well. Uh, Leon, I've got to play with Leon and I've flown to Vegas to see Elton John literally and got on a plane and flew back. Just super important in my life. But hearing wow. Elton talk about, mm. well, Leon would play it like this, more kind of like a, mm. like a honky tonk ragtime, you know, and then like, and I just take that and play it like this, you know, like I've been ripping yeah. Leon off for years, you know, and, and Leon's just sitting there like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, and the, the funny thing was, it was, it wasn't that he like, he didn't think he was, he didn't think he was too good for interviews. His, his attitude was like, why do y'all even want to talk to me? I'm not going to bother talking with these folks because man, y'all don't want to talk to me. Just it's no, there's no point, you know? And so it was really when you got into the nuts and bolts of it, you kind of, I kind of understood that it was coming from a really interesting perspective that his heart was in the right place. He just didn't see the need, you know? I mean, like he would just rather you listen to his music and understand his contribution to the world. And and that was, that was what yeah. was way more important than, than his perspective on anything, you know, which is cool. And he's right. Yeah. And when, when you really think about I know. it, why do you want me to answer that question? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's one thing with, with us. We, we're sitting around. This this is us kind of talking shop. But, it's you know, interviews, I mean, I, I have no problem with them because sometimes sometimes they kind of drive you to think about things you wouldn't think about on your on your own. But, I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not Leon Russell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. No, I love the dollar short going across the, the bridge, though. That's, yeah. I don't know, man. It kind of goes along with your song, Bar Band, you know, like. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's probably been the past 25 years of my, well, not my life, but just, I mean, I started, I don't know, I've been playing since high school. Um, and yeah, it's been way more, way more of those than, than theater shows for sure. For sure. I wanted to ask you about that because you started playing bars at 16, right? Yeah. Or started mm -hmm. playing live at 16. You got your, you know, kind of a regular gig. I started playing bars at 17. We grew up, you know, yeah. doing that. We've been doing this our entire adult lives. As a 16 year old, what was it like to you to walk into that world, a very grown up world and think, I'm a kid and I'm the entertainment for the night? It's a different kind of existence. Like from where you are now, looking back, mm. what maybe would you have told your younger self? I wish I was more grounded. Honestly, you know, my, my 16 year old self was pretty grounded as far as like, you know, I mean, I've always been really kind of church driven and, you know, all those things. Like I, I was raised that way, just like most of us are. And, and so, you know, you kind of have that, you have that background, but applying that knowledge in certain circumstances like that is different. And you're just not. I was, you're just not ready for that kind of thing at 16, you know, your mind. And I mean, it, it, that's, that's, that's scientific, you know, just the brain's not developed in order to think like an adult should think when you're 16, 17 years old. So I did the best I could and, you know, I survived and I'm alive and not in prison. And, and, you know, so those are two positives as far as I'm concerned, you know, and so, but at the same time, there's a lot, there's a lot. And I started writing earlier. I'd, I'd have had more confidence in my writing. But I also would have, I feel like I was kind of jaded out of the gate. You know what I mean? Like I was listening to John Hyatt at 16. And so like, I thought that made me cooler than everybody else, but that doesn't make you cooler than everybody else. It just make you, makes you think you're cooler than everybody else. And that makes you kind of a punk ass, you know, I mean, <laughs> really. And so, you know, I'd probably have called myself that and, and, and shot myself straight, but I don't know. My 60 year old self would, would tell my 45 year old self not to say those kind of things on the microphone. You know, yeah, I'm. I'm, say, I'm not saying things on the microphone. I was saying five years ago. I, yeah. you know. I know. I should have said that. Yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, yeah. We've, we're, you know, we've really tried to kind of clean our show up, as, as opposed to cursing and, and getting mad at the crowd for acting a fool or stuff like that. I don't, you know, I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm older. I've kind of let all that go by the wayside. You know, it's like just well, yeah. you know. I'm not as cool as I thought I once was. And my job yeah. is just to be here as an entertainer. That's 
Yeah, That's and it's it. funny because I've seen guys be like, yeah, I mean, Ian Moore, who's, you know, if you're, if you're in any capacity around Texas music, you know who Ian Moore is. And, and I, he was, Ian was kind of the, like, before I knew Pat Green and Jack Ingram, I knew Ian Moore. And, and that was because like he, he opened up for Skinner when I was in high school and like, you know, he was first to three at Oak Mountain in Birmingham and he just killed it. And I thought, man, that guy's my new hero. And so I've been a fan ever since. And, and I, I've done, had the pleasure of doing a couple of shows with him and I opened for him at Poor David's in Dallas a couple of years ago. And, and like, you know, same thing, you know, there's always a, a completely quiet crowd and there's one person that sees that as an opportunity to sort of uh, present themselves. And, and through the span of time, the audience kind of kicked him out. And, and as the guy was walking out, Ian was like, ah, he's just having a good time. And, and I thought, wow, I mean, that dude, that dude almost sabotaged your show. And he was like, ah, no, no big deal. It's not that it wasn't a, an issue to him, but, but the things that I would get so angry about, I just let go. You know, like you said, it just kind of comes with age and just, you know, you realize that there's just so many, that there's so much more important to, to concern yourself with, you know, the whole thing about it is, is that, you know, people show up to hear you sing your songs and that's, that's it, you know, and, yeah. and, and sometimes they get out of line and sometimes the crowd will help the asshole get out, man. You know, I would rather it be that way. I would rather it be if, I mean, there's, there's nothing. I mean, like you said, I mean, all the years I've been doing this, God, think about the things that have disrupted my show. I mean, I've been more of a disruption to my show than anyone has, you know? So if it's a problem to them, then you handle it. I don't <laughs> want to have to handle those kind of things. I have a guilty conscience. And, you know, I mean, everybody sobers up and they figure out, oh, I probably shouldn't have done this. And I mean, you know, in the same way that I feel that way, that dude will feel that way, you know, the next day. And I don't have to tell somebody they're wrong when they can look themselves in the mirror and figure out that they're wrong, you know? Yeah, but some people are just stupid. They're stupid. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> hey, Adam, you know, with you uh, starting it at such a young age, as as artists, I feel like there's some kind of juice or dopamine hit that we get when, when we do this certain act. What is that one thing that gives you that artistic high? Finishing a song. Yeah. It's the finishing that song. Okay. I mean, I, I'm a writer. I play because I love it, but... I enjoy writing more than I do anything. I mean, that's the, and you know, even when it's hard, it's really, it's what I enjoy most. I like, you know, I like collaborating. I, I like the fact that I can sit down with, with Brent and I can sit down with you, Cody, and we can finish an idea and we can do this and, and I can have one perspective on a song and you can have another perspective on a song and it's all the same thing. And I love, I love situations like yours when, you know, when, when you hear how the recording of a song went, and I can, I can put myself in the place where, wow, we were writing this then. I didn't even know so and so happened. And then next thing you know, here's, here's this. And, you know, I just love it. You know, it, it's the affirmation that dreams come true. You know what I mean? And it's still dreams coming true. Like, I mean, this is what I've always wanted to do. This is my dream, you know? And so, and it's hard to remember that sometimes. I, and so, it's hard to tell yourself those things sometimes. And that's the thing that I see that helps me remember that. Okay. This is, this is how it goes when you, when you see your, you know, your dreams become your goals and your, they become your reality. And so that, that happens writing. That's where, uh, you know, I mean, I like, like I said, I like playing, but playing's hard and, and you really kind of, you put yourself out there more. You're really just a little more vulnerable than I want to be, you know? I mean, so what? I got gray hair. So what? I'm mm -hmm. so what? So what? You know, and it shouldn't matter. And those things matter to a lot of people. You know, the fact that, man, I came see you play and you look like you was tired. Well, hell yeah, because I was tired. You know, <laughs> oh, funny, I looked that way. <laughs> Turns out I was, you know, and, but like, why, you know what I'm saying? And so that just doesn't happen writing. And, and, and so, you know, I, I, I feel like I can, explain myself and, and do, do what I'm called to do and, and use my abilities and it not be so, not be so judgmental. The older I get, the more I enjoy just the writing aspect of it. I used yeah. to write to have songs to play live at the bars because, you know, whenever you first start playing, you mm -hmm. don't have enough songs to play all your songs. So, you know, you, you're playing cover songs and then, you know, you're mixing one or two years in and then you, you're writing to, 
have sh- more sh- songs to play at your show. So it's like, oh, I'll have enough to do one original, three covers, one original. And then, you know, you write and write. And then, you know, you get a, a good enough collection of songs together. You go in, you make a record or two. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're playing your own songs at, at your own shows. And, you know, people are coming to see you for that. And I'd have to say it like, it's more stressful for me to walk out on stage because of the vulnerability <clears throat> and put on a show and be on. And, uh, to me, that's stressful. It's not necessarily hard. Now flip that coin hmm. and the songwriting aspect of it to me is the harder part, but less stressful. Right. Because you can always go back and, and add this or, you know, take this out, you know, or, or something like that. You know, the older I get, the, the more that I want to focus on the songwriting aspect of it and, and do more kind of like what you do and, you know, help write, help people write songs to put on their own records. Yeah. I mean, this, it's, it's what I wanted to do. It's, I mean, I, I'm thankful to be able to say that, that I really kind of am following the path that, that I wanted. I just didn't know it looked like this. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? And, and it, well, it, in 1995, it didn't look like this. Streaming wasn't a big deal. I mean, you know, this was, you know, people were still buying Travis Street records back then. And so, you know, I mean, that, that was, was it pre-internet? 95, it, internet was just getting going, man. Yeah. Yeah. Windows 95 had just come out. Okay. There you go. So, I mean, that was way before anybody was getting music online. And so, uh, it was a completely different world to be a writer. And, and I just, I don't know. I just, I knew that I could be myself and be a normal human being and be a parent and be a husband. And I could manage that from a writer's perspective way better than I could manage it from an artist's perspective. Now, and was I wrong? No. But at the same time, I, I know that that, you know, the Lord's given me some, some gifts and, and I should, I should share them. You know, I mean, I can sing, you know, I can carry a tune in a bucket. I can, I can play a guitar and why not, why not go deliver that? And so in as much as I enjoy the writing, I, I know that I have kind of a responsibility to go play them, but you're right, man. It's stressful. And, you know, again, to be an entertainer, I just never saw myself as one. And so like having to be one, it's really out of the box for me. Like it's hard. I, I don't, I don't feel like I do well at it. I just I get up there and, and just play and try to be nice and, and, and try to say thank you. And, and, you know, when someone wants to hear a song that's something I wrote, I tried my best to play it for them if I can remember the words. And that's all you're going to get out of me. You know, I mean, if you're going to come, if you want to see acrobatics, you're going to have to go see like a more acrobatic show. I mean, I'll stand up, but that's about, <laughs> that's about it, you know? I mean, I can't do much more than that. You know, I, I, we, my wife and I went to see Don Williams some years ago and, and he came out and it was, it was so, it was one of the best sounding and one, one of the coolest shows I've ever seen. But he walks out and this is probably, I don't know, 20 years ago, I guess, maybe 18, 20 years ago. Uh, it was his first retirement tour and we went to see him play. It was a thousand seater, this little auditorium, this old high school auditorium. And it was me and Rebecca, 998 old people. Yeah. And he walks out on stage and he sits down on a stool and they start playing. And it sounds just like mm. the record. He sounds just like the, he's, he's just amazing. Doesn't say a word. Mm. Gets probably 45 minutes in somewhere around there, probably about halfway through his show. Finally goes, well, I guess I should say something. Looks around at everybody. Everybody's just hanging on. Like, what's he going to say? He's like, it sure is nice to see all y'all folks tonight. Play another song. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was yeah. it, man. And everybody's like, yeah. You know, he said something. He, said he told us. <laughs> and, and, you know, Edie did a bunch of shows with, with him and, and it kind of said the same thing. You know, Jason said that, like, he, he pushed the issue. Like, he wanted to meet Don Williams and he never did. And, and like he said, he asked his tour manager and his tour manager said, no, nah, Don's not going to do it, you know? And it wasn't because, like I said, you know, it's not because the guy was rude. I mean, he was obviously just a, you know, a, a great human being, but just kind of didn't, didn't see reason to do those kind of things, you know, which is interesting. It know? is interesting. Cause I, I remember talking with Jason about that. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about that a couple of times. Cause I, I just, it's like, you know, you, you with playing with Leon, 
dude, we went out and did a bunch of shows with uh, Skinner, and we never, yeah. we never met any of those guys. Really? No. I mean, you see, I would have thought, I would have thought different. Yeah, we weren't even allowed on stage. We weren't allowed to watch them from the side of the stage. It was, it was a really, really cold camp in terms of you know everybody in the music business. Whenever I, I use the term cold camp, means uh, their crew was a bunch of assholes. <laughs> you know, so what's that? What's that drive by trucker song? They, they said that rock and roll means well, but it can't help but telling young boys lies. You know, it's this. This is not what it looks uh-uh. like, man. You yeah. know, I mean, you want us to be like, this is a brotherhood and this is camaraderie. And it's like, man, why don't you get your ass off my stage right now? <laughs> yeah. uh, headliner. Okay. <laughs> you guys right here milling around where my uh, soundboard is. Why don't you go ahead and get on out of here right now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what it is more than not. It yeah. is, you know, and, and and I there's you know people that I know that it, you know it's been like whenever the headliner was walking to the stage, don't look at them, don't talk to them, yeah. you know, don't you know all these big lists of don't 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 around you know these people, and and I'm kind of to the point now to where if I get paired up with somebody, usually if they're opening for you, there's not a you don't look at them or don't talk to them thing. But like, if you're opening for them, or if I'm, if we're opening for them and, you know, now, you know, in the business, I'm not going to go play with somebody who's not going to at least be like, Hey, dude, you know, like sometimes that happens, but sometimes you meet these people and you're like, thank God, man. Cause they, in this business, they always tell you don't meet your heroes. I'd say that's a fair assessment for the most, for about 95% positive. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then, you know, you meet those few that it's like, man, that was totally worth it. Like you mentioned uh, Travis Tritt a while ago, who I think he had three songs off his new record. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. One of them was the title track. Yeah. The title track. Okay. So that's pretty damn cool. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. We did two shows with him in Austin and he was the coolest guy. What a guy, right? The coolest guy. Yeah. And you can, you can tell that there was that like, you know how it is. You, 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 I'm sure you're, you're a good judge of character. You can smell it on somebody when they're, when, when they're kind of a low key dick, you can, you can smell it. You know, it's like, ah, this guy, he means well and he's being nice, but, but there's nothing there. Travis ain't like that, man. Yeah. I mean, like he's one of those guys that like, I, I've, I've never sent him a text message that he didn't respond to. I mean, even like happy birthday, Travis. I mean, thank you, man. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. and, and that's, that's from the perspective of, I mean, he, I'd say he was probably as, uh, crucial to setting my trajectory as anybody else because of the fact that, that, you know, before I heard Hyatt, before I heard, I mean, Travis Tripp was the reason why I listened to Steve Earle. Travis Tripp was the reason why I listened to Bob Seeger because I, I went to a Travis Tripp show. I heard Travis do Copperhead. I went out and bought Shut Up and Die Like an Aviator. You know, I went to a Travis Tripp show. I heard him do Night Moods. I went out and, and bought Live Bullet. You know what I mean? And so. He introduced me to those things, but he also like that was the first guy that I ever saw, like in the middle of a concert, he sat down and he played. And I said, what that dude's doing right there, sitting down on a stool by himself playing. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't care if I do anything else. I want to do what that guy right there is doing for the rest of my life. And so, you know, I didn't there was I mean, it was Bon Jovi before then, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know, which is I mean, whatever it is, what it is. But but I mean, (laughs) when I saw him play. I had a place in this world and, and to be able to like go through that guy's gates at his house and man, and just, I mean, it's like, a I I want a contest or something like that, just to be able to meet him, you know, much less write a song with him, much less a song that he liked, much less that he recorded, much less that it's a title track. You know what I mean? Like, man, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, what else? What else? On, I mean, I'm not going to do better than that. I mean, you know, Cody Jenks song. There you go. That's, I mean, now I'm done. Now I'm really done. So that happened. And then Mercy happened. And I said, OK, that's it. I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> I want to sit back down and write some more songs. Right? <laughs> no, it was it was super cool, man. You know, it, not to kiss Travis ass, but, you know, the first night we met him, well, I'd never met him. Yeah. You know, we were on our bus and. Our, our T and he has a great camp, man. He very, mm. his whole camp is wonderful. It was Bobby Keith and, and their tour manager kind of hooked up. And when Travis got there, you know, he was sitting on his bus and it's kind of like, Hey, do you want to go meet Travis? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to go meet Travis, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, so we walked up on the bus and, and I walked up on the bus and uh, they just left me and him alone. And, and we, we chatted for about 10, 15 minutes. And just, mm. he was wonderful and warm and, and everything like, thank God, man. Like I was so wanting you to be cool. I didn't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next night we were playing again at the same venue. And, uh, before the show, his TM came up again and said, uh, Hey, Travis wants to chat with you before the show. Mm. And so I went back up on Travis's bus again <laughs> and sat there for 10 or 15 minutes again. And, and we just talked and we talked about music and and life and and uh he you know he talked about Waylon and yeah you know like oh it's like thank god man there's still some you know real ones out there yeah well and that's i mean i i, I feel the same way i mean I, I that was as close i mean he talked to johnny cash on the phone you know what i mean like that was uh, that was travis he had i mean not just access but like he had friendships with the people that I mean, dude, those guys created our music. You know, I mean, they're, they are totally the reason why we're here. Absolutely. And I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not be a student of those things. I know that there's a lot of guys out there that care less about, about where our, our craft comes from, but, um, I'm not going to be that way. And I, I know you're not going to be that way either. You know, and I mean, you, I mean, you can, we can start doing classical compositions, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm going to study the masters of my craft and, and Travis's. I'd say he's a master of my craft, you know, and, and I just, like I said, it, it was a great opportunity just to sit in the same room with him. But I was also, that was, I will say this, that's the record that I've been made to, if I'm going to write a song with somebody's record, it's going to be that dude's record. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, since I was 16, I mean, that was the, I've been primed for that one. You know, I never told him either. And I, I didn't tell him this just for the fact that I didn't want to sound like a complete freaking goober. Yeah. <laughs> like, T-R-O-U-B-L-E was my go-to song at karaoke. Oh, man. Many, many years ago in my early 20s when I had a group of buddies, every Wednesday night we went to a, a place called Gators in uh, in Euless, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And, yeah, you did. And, like, whenever oh, I wanted shit, to just, son. like, if somebody there was, like, good and I just wanted to kick some ass, I played, I sang Trouble. And that boy right there thinks he's good singing that Doug Stone song. Watch this. I'm going to get up there and T-R-U-B-L-E his ass. He ain't going to come back here to Gators no more. Next day's off on the road. I want to hear Josh do his number one and Cody do T-R-O-U-B-L-E. I mean, I mean, well, how, like, uh, can we sell tickets for this? Well, Josh's yeah. number one was I mean, either Secret Agent Man or what was the other uh, one? So Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to see this. I want to carry open karaoke competition off of that song buddy oh so you're like a pro i didn't know i didn't know you was gonna be pro at it i know you was a winner oh yeah i was the judge I've, I've been a judge too man i sent somebody to to reno las vegas uh, reno nevada one time <laughs> oh for wow. the national competition this man has got he's he's got some <laughs> holding water that boy out there holding water in the karaoke world all right adam i got one more question for you and uh, I just looked at the clock, and we we've already been chit chatting for an hour. It yeah. goes by. I mean, this I, I figured we could do <laughs> yeah. this for about three hours. I know it. I know you, we could. We yeah. but here's the deal: we keep them to an hour because when you keep it at an hour, you didn't get to the other two hours worth of shit. So I can get two more shows. Yeah. Out okay. All right. Say when. You know. Say when. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what we do. But I'm going to ask you one more question, and and then I'm going to turn it over to Josh and Bobby Keith. We, we do kind of a, uh, a lightning round and you, and, and it's called, uh, why do I know this? But we'll get there in a second okay. and they'll ask you some questions. But my question would, my, my last question to you is, uh, you know, if you had to, if you had to narrow it down to your biggest influence of all time, who would it be? Uh, Delbert McClinton. That's a really interesting answer. And listening to your music, that makes a whole lot of sense. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. That's the, that's the plan. You know, I always said Hyatt. Hyatt is the reason why I wanted to write. But when I heard Delbert McClinton, I knew how I wanted it to sound. You know, I mean, that was I, I knew I wanted to do it. And and I kind of watched. I, I followed Hyatt until I until I got into Delbert. And I said, OK, this is this is what I want to sound like. Well, because because you have such that like uh, that Southern American like roots. But it's like. It's bar band stuff, man. It's like you can rip out a rock and roll song. You can rip out a country song. And Delbert was one of the best at that. Right. That we've ever had that that guy could have, he did every, he 
not could do everything. He did everything. He could make any kind of record he wanted and make it sound kick ass. See, and that's the thing. And, and I, I knew once I heard his stuff, I, I knew that, and I, I, not to limit his talent, but I just, I knew that I could do that. You know what I mean? Like kind of the same thing with Travis. Like, okay, this is like this avenue. I can be like, just because of, you know, I mean, you figure these things out. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm no point in trying to play Steve Vai songs. Like there's no point in trying to go be a Frank Zappa cover band, but I can do this. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can do Delbert. And so I started digging into his stuff and Delbert and Glenn, that Delbert and Glenn record. I mean, oh man, it changed my life and it changed Brent's life. And uh, just, I mean, you know, it's just mad. Yeah. Delbert's, he's kind of the, he's kind of the man. All right. Rock and roll. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I'll turn it over to uh, Josh and Bobby Keith and, uh, this is why do I know this? And you can elaborate. Okay. Or you can just give a one word answer. Okay. It's whatever you want to do, man. These are your questions. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, Adam, I usually ask everybody, like, what's your favorite memory with Cody? But uh, I got to know. I've heard his story. What was it like getting a phone call knowing that Mercy was going to be the title track? It was really surreal. I mean, it was one of those things where I, I, I told myself, I was like, man, I hope he understands how grateful I am. And I, I don't know, but I mean, I'm really, I'm really grateful. Yeah. Cody's, Cody's responsible for, for helping a lot of people in their careers. And, and, and this was a, this was a big help for me. So I, I, I needed that. I needed that. Well, here at Team Jinx, man, we go above and beyond. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you do. I needed that. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Uh, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I think I'm, you know, I can, I'm, I'm up about eight o'clock, but I'm down by midnight. And your uh, favorite 2 a.m. meal? A banana with peanut butter. All right. Yeah. Interesting. That's strong. That's strong, yeah. That's it. Two. A glass of milk, peanut butter, uh, two tablespoons of peanut butter, <laughs> two bananas, and a big glass of milk. <laughs> well, you got to be at the right place for that, though. You can put that stuff in a bag, put it in your backpack, take it anywhere. <laughs> You're right. You just smush it all up, be all right there, just spoon it out. The milk is a little bit harder, but yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, how old is your wallet? Oh, good question. Probably, I don't know, three years old, maybe. Okay. Do you usually keep them for a long time, though? Like until they just busted the scene? Yeah, they, I mean, they'll, they'll fall apart. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, what is the most, uh, what part of your home has the most clutter? The playroom. Okay. Well, the kids, yeah, got, got to do that. All right. Last one. Um, for me, and it's my favorite question. Do you believe in ghosts, Adam Hood? I don't know. I, I, I Jury's out. I've got buddies that I, I've never had an experience with a ghost. I believe that they exist. I think I, I don't know if I believe they exist. I know I believe the people that say that they've had experiences with ghosts, but I've never seen one or had one. I, I will say this, though. We've got my, my wife and I. I lost my dad about 12 years ago, and, and my wife and I have this picture that is a we got married under this big old uh, oak tree. And the, our photographer took a picture of it after everybody was gone. And there's this dot in the middle of it. And, and my aunt said, well, there's Larry. And, and so I don't, I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I know we captured, we captured a picture of my dad's spirit at our wedding. So, I mean, and it's, it's hanging up in our, our, our bedroom. And I, that's just one thing that I'll always kind of cherish, you know? So that's, I guess that would be a run in with him, but. I ain't never run into like a spirit of nothing with fangs and there's no booga bear. I ain't never running nothing like that in my house or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. I love it. Oh, hey, yeah. something like that. In the bushes. Hey, you know what? I, I, I do have to say, and this isn't a question. Um, but before, before we actually wrap this up, I just want to tell Adam. So whenever I go into the studio and, and you know, if, if when I'm going in to produce and like get my, my room set, I always use Hell of a Fight as one of my test studio test songs. I think it's just the production on that is great. It, it's a great balance. Yeah. So I just want you to know, Thank I you, use man. that song. I, I use that song as a, as a uh, kind of when I'm getting into a new room and want to see how it feels. Just so you know. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. That's cool. I mean, you know, you, you always, I mean, I, I, I would love to take credit for it, but that's all. That's Orrin Thornton, man. I mean, he, he, you know, between him and the guys that played on that record, I mean, they just, yeah, they, I mean, they really knew, knew what they were doing. So that means a lot. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Great questions, guys. All right, man, Adam, um, yeah. thank you so much for taking your time. 
and uh, and spending this spending it with us. It's been a pleasure to have you. We could do this for another couple hours because we're all talkers here. But uh, but yeah, man, I know you got things to do today, and uh, everybody got things to do, man. We just living. But yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you did say that this year you, you're going to concentrate on some new music. Are you talking about a new new record? Yes. Uh, so uh, Easter, we're going to put out a song on Easter that's going to kind of be a little bit of an exclusive song. And then our first single will come out May 15th. So we'll, we'll release that. To, that'll be the first single on the new record. And hopefully we've got like a latest deadline, October 10th for the new record. So I've had it in my pocket for about a year and a half now. And it's a Pretty proud of this record, but yeah, we're going, we actually are putting music out for this record, but yeah, that man, I thank you for calling me. This has been really fun. I've, I've enjoyed it. And like I said, I mean, no joke. I mean it. I appreciate you recording that song. It means a lot. And I kind of happened when I really needed something to happen. I think we all needed something to happen. We were in the throes of a dead gum lockdown, <laughs> man. Everybody was That's true. going crazy. Good, good point. <laughs> but, but yeah. All right, guys. Um, adamhood.com. Yep. Check out where Adam is going to be merchandise all the good stuff on there uh facebook adam hood instagram adam hood music so check those uh outlets out see where he's going to be go see him play because i guarantee you it's going to be one of those situations where you go oh shit he wrote that too so <laughs> thank you anyway yeah. all the best to you thank you again and uh man let's get together some sometime and write another one we struck gold once we'll we'll do it again I'd love to, man. Thank y'all so much for having me. I enjoyed it. All right, brother. Later, man. Thank you, Adam. All right. We'll see y'all. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Adam. Y'all be good. Bye.